You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk Church? How's everybody doing today? Man, it is so good to see you guys. So, so good to be in the house of the Lord, the the presence of the Holy Spirit is here with us um, at just an incredible, incredible time of worship. I'm so glad that um, the young lady that was right here on the microphone, if you guys didn't know her, that's, that's Dee Dee Moore. And um, she's been, she took a little hiatus from our worship team because she was doing something like, I don't know, like birthing a child. I guess we'll excuse her for that, but she is back. And man, I'm excited about that. And um, just pumped about everything that God is doing here um, in and through the ministry of our church. I'm excited about today's message. If you've got your Bible or you've got a smart device, I would love to um, uh, love for you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call the Gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason that those four books in particular are referred to as good news is because they tell us of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's what the rest of the Bible hinges upon. And we're going to be in the fourth gospel, the gospel of John uh, chapter 6, which is a very long book, or a very long chapter, rather. Um, but, and we're going we're gonna to read just a few verses of that here in just a little bit. So you can go ahead and prepare John chapter 6, and we'll land there in just a minute. Um, I, am, uh, I am a child of the 80s. Many of you know that I just turned uh, 40 years old. I was born in 1981. I'm not trying to make anyone feel old in the room um, or, or watching online, I'm not trying to make anyone feel old, but um, I hearken back to, uh, to my childhood, and I can remember um, uh, an actress and then also a, a fitness guru um, of, of the moment in the 80s named Jane Fonda. Anybody remember Jane Fonda? Anybody have any of her workout videos? Anybody want to tell on themselves? A couple people, a couple people were brave enough. Um, they were on VHS. Um, young people, there used to be this big plastic thing that we would have to stick inside of a larger plastic thing, and that played videos on our TV that looked like a piece of furniture and not just like a, yeah. Um, you actually had to get up and turn a dial to change the channel, and there were only like, I don't know, 13 of them or something. Um, but Jane Fonda, she popularized, uh, she, she really brought kind of like home fitness um, to the forefront in, in the early 80s. And she had a, a phrase that she popularized in the 80s. It, it actually stems all the way back to um, the, the earliest records that we have of it is in ancient Greece. Um, but she kind of translated it and, uh, and, and put it to work uh, for use in, in all of her fitness videos and everything. And I'm going to start it and let you finish it. Jane Fonda was famous for saying, no pain, no gain. That's right. You guys know that. No pain, no gain. It became a fitness and an exercise mantra. It was an inspirational tool that she used to help those people that were doing her workouts to help them to, to keep going despite the fact that they were pouring sweat and that their muscles were on fire. 
This, this mantra that would often get quoted that's now become a regular part of our pop cultural vernacular, well, it, it served as a reminder that there's purpose in the pain that is taking place. There's, there's a reason that we're experiencing this, and it, was, it, it helped us to take our mind off of what we were experiencing in the moment and look toward what we, what we were after, what we were seeking, what we were desiring. Uh, John Maxwell, I love his kind of modern interpretation of this. He says, everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And we love that statement. And we think, oh, that's really, you know, that, that's on point and, and that's, that's creative. And, and I like how that sounds. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And we like it up until the point that we experience it for ourselves. Because what I've discovered is that nobody likes difficult. Um, when life is hard, let's be honest, when life is hard, it's not much fun. And I've discovered that both in, in my own life and, and in the lives of those around me, just the things that I've witnessed and observed is that when things don't go the way that we want them to or the way that we think they should, it becomes very easy for us to just throw in the towel, give up, and move along to the next thing, right? But I love this quote from Zion Lee who says, Everybody wants happiness and nobody wants pain but you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. There's a reason for the things that we experience, but we don't like it when we are in the middle of those things. And life has been difficult for many of us on all different kinds of planes and, and, and not just over the course of our entire lives that we can look back and we can see different moments where there was, there was a, a, a period or a season of difficulty, of adversity, of struggle, of hurt, of sorrow, of pain. But, but all of us, we've kind of shared in this collective thing together over the past 18 months and still going where life, it just hasn't been the same as it used to be. It's been pretty difficult. And so the situation that we found ourselves in, that, that the normal difficulties of life. They've only been exacerbated and compounded upon because of these experiences that we've had together, both as a nation and as a world over the past 18 months. And for a lot of people, we look back over this period and man, it's just been one blow after another. And it's hurtful and it's harmful and we're not really sure what to make of it. And it's caused many of us during this period in particular, it's called many, uh, caused many of, uh, of us, uh, our faith to, uh, to flounder and to wane a little bit. It's, it's not difficult to look around this room, just this room that we're in this morning, just us right here. It's not difficult to, to look around this room and, and see that there were those who were with us 18 months ago that before the world was turned upside down, that they're, they're no longer here. They're no longer a part of what's going on. And, and certainly we've seen new faces come and we've seen new people, but there are people that, that were here that were a part of, of this church. And, and I've, I, for, for me as a pastor, I've, I've grieved during these 18 months. 
to see people who were here week in and week out and who were, who were giving and who were serving and who were a part, who said, I was their pastor and this is their church. And then now they're just no longer here. They're no longer a part of anything. There's been division at every turn over these past 18 months. Social issues have caused division. Political issues have caused division. Are we supposed to wear masks? Or no, we're not going to wear masks. Do we, do we get the vaccine? Do we not get the vaccine? Should we have church in person? Or should it be online only? All of these things, what's happened is, is right here in the church, the people that are supposed to be unified, it's caused the greatest, one of the greatest uh, um, uh, seasons of division that, that you and I, that we've ever experienced as the church. And, and I got to be honest, like, I, I don't have the answers to that. If, if you came this morning and you were, you were hoping that I was going to tell, tell you whether or not you should get the vaccine or whether or not you should wear a mask, I, I don't know. I don't know. Should, should church be in person or online? I, I, think, I, have some, I think I have some insights in, into that. I, I think that, that online church, I'm so thankful for online church. I'm thankful that we have the, the capability and the technology to do that. In, in fact, that's, that's, that's a basket that we're wanting to put more eggs in to, to broaden, to widen the door and lengthen the table of our online experience for people. And I'm so thankful for people that join us every week online. But I will say this, I believe that, that church online is a supplement, not a substitute. I, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody, but it's a supplement and it's not a substitute. And so I, I think that, that whatever, if it's, if it's masking, if it's vaxxing, if it's wearing a hazmat suit, what, like you got to do what you got to do to get around other people. We were made to be in community with each other. And so if, and if you're, yeah. If, if you're watching online and, and you're faithful to that, I, I'm so thankful for that. If you're here locally, we would love to do whatever it takes to, to help get you into this building and get you into a, a life group. And, or if, if you're watching with us online and you're not in the local area, I would encourage you, continue to watch this because we, we post these services every week, but, but find a church in your area that you can go and that you can be around other people. It's important to link arms. You, there, there's something about, um, something about the, the way that, that Jesus designed things, that, that Christianity, it, it was not just something to be observed. It was to be touched and tasted and smelled and, and experienced with all of the senses. And we just can't do that if a screen is all that we're looking at. It's a supplement. It's not a substitute. And, and all of this stuff, all of these, all of these divisions, what, what's, it's swirled around and, and it's, it's come where, where everybody, regardless of who you ask or whatever, we're all wanting to know the, the, the same thing. What is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? And our government has been very clear, and I'm not a political person. This is very unique for me to even be talking about some stuff like this. But there, there's some things that I just feel like I need to share. 
Our, our government has been very clear in what they say we should do in the name of health and safety. But when you declare that mask mandates and vaccines are the only way, and I'm not anti-mask, nor am I anti-vaccine. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But when you declare that that is the only way, and then you, you increase laws so that we can kill babies even later into abortion, you're sending mixed messages. It doesn't make sense. And we've taken logic and we've thrown it out the window and we've said it's right when it fits my agenda, but then when it comes against what I'm trying to push, then it's wrong. And that's what's gotten us in the position that we're in. Because what's happened is we've, we felt like at, at every turn we're being forced to choose sides on everything. And a lot of people who couldn't have it their way decided to take their ball and go home. And we aren't the only church. We're not the, this is not unique to Christ's walk. This is something that we're experiencing widespread. And, and can I be very honest? There were times when we, myself included, I am chief among them because I'm the one steering the ship here. There are times when we failed to make the main thing or keep the main thing as the main thing. We got so caught up into all this other stuff that we took our eyes off of Jesus in the process. And along the way, what happened is many of us discovered that, that following Jesus in the middle of what many have labeled as uncertain times that it's proven to be quite difficult. And, and so for a myriad of reasons that, that we could list until the cows come home, a lot of people just stopped trying. Two years ago, they were here. They were right here in the thick of this. They were right here with us. This was their church. I was their pastor. We were their people. But all of this division and our failure to keep the main thing, the main thing, it, it, it created a divide, it created a gap, and it caused some people to just drift. And that is not, that hasn't been fun to experience. And my heart is hurting today, if I'm being honest. My heart is hurting and I'm grieving over the fact that, that throughout all of this, there were some people that just couldn't make it through, that they just decided, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it anymore. And so they've stepped out. And today we're in part two of a series called Not Feeling It, where over the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about how we handle the seasons of life when it seems that God is nowhere to be found. What are the reasons for those seasons? What is our response to that? And what does the Bible have to say about all of it? And last week in part one, we took a look at Psalm chapter 88, which is a rather somber psalm with no real closure to it at all. And we talked about four truths that you and I need to remember when life stinks and how even when we can't feel God, we can remain faithful because he is 
faithful. And so if you haven't, if you haven't heard that message, I would, I would encourage you, go back, find our podcast, go to our YouTube page, um, check it out. You can, you can get there at thechristwalk.com and find access to all that. I would, I would highly encourage you to listen to that message because it laid the foundation for everything that we're going to talk about for these next few weeks going forward. And so today we find ourselves in, in John chapter 6. And uh, before, before we jump in there to read um, the last few verses, they're starting in verse 60. It's a very long um, chapter of the Bible. Uh, let me kind of catch you up to speed on what's going on. This is, this is the recording in John of the feeding of the, of the 5,000. And uh, many of you may recall Jesus, he was, he was out on the hillside, he was teaching, and throngs of people came to, to hear him teach, and um, it got late in the day, and, and the people were getting hungry, and, and nobody had anything. The only, they, the only thing they could find was a little boy's lunch of uh, five loaves and two fish, and Jesus blessed it and broke it, and he passed it around to the disciples, and, and um, they started to pass out these five loaves and, and two fish, and, and, and it fed 5,000 men plus women and children, and there were baskets left over. And so everybody ate their fill. And then um, the, the Bible tells us that in the evening, Jesus goes off to pray, um, to, be, uh, to be by himself, to spend time with the Father, to recharge his batteries. He sends the disciples across the sea um, to, to the next town and uh, in, in the boat, and a storm comes up, and Jesus meets them on the water. He's walking on the water, and when he gets into the boat, they are immediately arrive at their destination. And then the, the crowd wakes up um, in, in, on the next morning, the crowd that, that he fed the night before. They, they wake up, and they realize, oh, it's time for breakfast. We need to go find Jesus. That's what's happening. See, they, they, were, they were looking for bread that would allow them to live for that day. And Jesus was providing the bread that would allow them to live forever. And so we, we get into, in, into the thick of this chapter, and, and it's, the, it's the bread of life discourse. It's when the people are wanting, wanting physical bread, and Jesus is offering them spiritual bread. And so they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and, and Jesus talks about how he is the bread of life. And then um, in, in the midst of that discourse, he says something that's one of the weirdest statements in all of the Bible, at least to us. The Bible's not weird. We're weird, okay? And so the, Jesus said this, and, and we just interpret it as strange because it's difficult for us to comprehend. Jesus, he tells the people there, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. It's a very strange statement to make. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. And, and for the people in that moment, those, those Jews and, and, and the, the people of that time, how they would have received that, how they would have interpreted it, it was, it was shocking, it was offensive, and no pun intended, it was hard to swallow. They were so hung up on their physical desires that they failed to realize that the spiritual fulfillment of everything that they needed and were looking for was literally staring them right in the face, as we will see. And so we pick up here at the end. I'm going to read you the end, and then we're going to kind of go back and, 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 and get back to the end of, of this, this chapter. Um, John chapter 6, starting with verse 60 
Since many of his disciples said, now, right here at the beginning of this, um, when it uses the word disciples, maybe your translation has it a little bit differently. It's not talking about the 12. It's talking about the, the multitude, the crowd, the people that had started to follow him. When many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand talking about his statement of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, and so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Verse 64, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his his disciples turned away and deserted him. Verse 67, then Jesus turned to the 12, the 12 disciples and said, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And so today I want to talk to you about three questions we must answer when we're not feeling it. Three questions we must answer when we're not feeling it, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation in life, when the things that God is calling us to and and the way that the scriptures are leading our life, when they are difficult for us to understand, accept, and follow through on. There's three questions that you and I must answer when we are not feeling it. And the first one of those questions, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is, First question we got to answer is, what is our reason for following Jesus? What is our reason for following Jesus? We go back to to verse 26 of of John 6. It says, Jesus replied to the multitudes, to the crowd. He said, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. You want to be with me because, because I gave you physical food, not because you saw the bigger picture of who I am taking this little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish and feeding the multitude with it where there are leftovers. You're focusing on the wrong thing, what Jesus is, is telling the people. And so, so the question that we have to, to, to drill down on is when we're talking about the reason for following Jesus, we have to decide, are we seeking God's hand Or are we seeking his face? Are we seeking his hand or or are we seeking his face? And, and, And don't get me wrong. I don't want to diminish the role that God's hand plays in our relationship with him. We find out through, through all of the scriptures the, the importance of God's hand and, and, and how God uses his hands to, to bless and to oversee his people. In Psalm 16, verses 8 and 11, we're, we're shown the hand of protection and pleasure. It says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. In Psalm 17, verse 7, we see the hand of power. 
It says, show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power or by the strength of your hand, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. In Psalm 32, we see the hand of penitence. Psalm 32, verse four, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. When we get out of line, God's gonna discipline us. He's gonna bring us back into line and back into alignment with him, with his hand. In Psalm 139, verse five, we see the hand of presence. It says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. In Psalm 145, verse 16, we see the hand to be praised. It says, when you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. God's hands do some incredible things that you and I reap the benefit of day in and day out. But despite the characteristics and the capabilities of God's hand, Scripture encourages us not to seek his hand, but to seek his face instead. In Psalm 24, verses 5 through 6, it says, They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Psalm 27, eight, my heart says of you, seek his face. So your face, Lord, I will seek. Psalm 105, verse four, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Psalm 119, 58, I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. So we see there, it's important, not that we seek God's hand, but that we seek his face. And there's a reason behind that. Jack Richards puts it this way. He says, you can have a gift without knowing the giver. You can receive something without knowing the benefactor. But how incomplete that is. Should you need another gift later in life, you do not know who the giver is or where to find him. But when you see God's face, he reveals himself to you. You experience his closeness, his goodness, and his greatness, which will overwhelm you. And so when you need something from the Lord, you know who to go to. You know where to turn, not his hand, but his face, because you know him personally. So the principle here is when we're answering this first question is that we need to begin to seek God for who he is, not for what he can do for us. We seek God for who he is, not what he can do for us. So number one, what is our reason for following Jesus? The second question we've got to ask in seasons when we're not feeling it, is what is the requirement for following Jesus? And in John 6, 29 through 36, Jesus continues this interaction with this crowd and says, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. The very thing that they were seeking was looking at them eye to eye. Just last night, he had performed a miracle by feeding all of them with a little boy's sack lunch. But yet today, they're telling him, show us another miracle. If you want us to believe, do it again. Do something else. And he was like, don't you see? I am the bread of life. I am the thing that you are seeking. I'm standing right here in front of you, yet you won't believe in me, even though you could reach out and touch me. You could take hold of everything that I have and that I'm wanting to give you. You're so blind and you just won't see it. And so what we've got to determine in our own life is that are we only going to believe in Jesus when he's performing miracles? Or are we going to continue to believe when it costs something of us? Are we only going to believe when, when, when he's doing things that are, that are adding value to our life and that, that, are, that are meeting our needs physically? Or are we going to still follow him when it costs us something? Because Jesus said earlier in John 5, verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. So it all starts, what Jesus is saying, it all starts with belief, right? It all starts with what we believe about who he is, but what we believe determines the way that we behave. See, it starts with belief, but it's fulfilled in behavior, for example, we, we've got some core values around here, um, and, and one of them is generosity is our identity, and we talk about how we're generous in our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. Or we talk about how servanthood is our posture, and it's the reason that, that we show up early and that we get prepared ahead of time and that, that we identify needs so that we can meet needs and, and that we, we join a team so that we can be a part of what God is doing and, and use our gifts and our skills and our abilities to make a difference in the lives of other people around us. We talk about how excellence is our pursuit, which means that we do the best that we can with the resources that we have available. And we can say that we believe that all day long, but if we're not practicing it, if we're not living it out, then do we really believe it? James, the brother of Jesus, said faith without works is dead. Those two things are hitched together. You can tell me what you believe all day long, but until that shows up in your behavior, until it makes a difference for how you're living your life, then I'm not sure you really believe it. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's you, you want to believe as long as you're getting the thing that you want out of it. But when it costs you something, then you're not willing to walk it out. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25 says this. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, if any of you chooses to believe in me as Lord and Savior, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. For if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. See, here's the thing. We want the supply, but we don't want the sacrifice. 
Oh God, bless me. Give me the blessing, but keep me away from the burden. I don't want the burden. I want the blessing of the cross, but I don't want to actually have to carry the burden of the cross. And, and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Make no mistake, salvation in Christ, it is free, but it will cost you everything you've got. Everything. It's 100% free, but it will cost you everything. So we have to determine what is the requirement for following Jesus? And then are we willing to fulfill that requirement? in our own lives, not just when Jesus is handing out blessings, but when it's going to cost us something, when we are going to have to carry a burden ourselves. Number three, the third question we've got to answer. Not only what is our reason for following Jesus and what is the requirement for following Jesus, but finally, what will be our response to following Jesus? This is where this entire chapter drives to here. And, and, and as, as Jesus, um, he, he turns from the crowd and he looks at the 12. What is our response going to be? Verse 66 and following of, of John chapter 6, it says, At this point, many of his disciples, many of the crowd, because they couldn't, they couldn't receive what Jesus was calling them to. They, they, couldn't, they weren't willing to, to rise to the challenge to accept the difficulty of what it meant, the, the sacrifice of what it meant to follow after Christ. It says at this point, many of his disciples, they turned away and they deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied in, in one of the most beautiful responses in all of scripture, Simon Peter, I love Peter, he's my favorite disciple. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe, we know that you are the Holy One of God. Or maybe your translation says that you are the Son of the living God. So what we've got to rectify within ourselves is, is there something out there that we're looking to, to fulfill to satiate us other than Jesus. In this moment, Peter had it figured out. But it's a question for, for you and me today. Peter, Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? Where are we going? Where are we looking at? Man, if, if I only had a better job, then I would be, if, if I only had more money, then life would be good, then I could get out of this funk. If, if I only had a bigger house or a newer car, or if, if I could only get that boy or that girl to notice me, or if I only had a husband or a wife, if, or if I only had a better husband or a better wife, if I only had more accolades from my peers or shinier trophies on my shelf, if I only had those things, then life would be worth living. Then I would have it all figured out. Then this thing would turn around. But in John 14, verse six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying that the better job and the bigger house and the larger bank account 
and the husband and the wife and the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the accolades and the praise of men, that, those aren't the way. Jesus, he's not just saying that his way is the best way. He's saying that his way is the only way. And not only did Peter believe this, not only did did he believe, he said, I know that you are the son of God. So much so that Peter later was crucified because of his belief. And, and when they went to crucify him, he, he refused to be crucified the way that Jesus was. So they crucified him upside down because he didn't even think he was worthy enough to be killed in the same manner of Jesus. That was the level of belief that this man had. Not only do I believe, but I know so much so that I'm willing to die for the things that I believe in. And so the the question is looming for us today that that, that when the going gets tough, when life throws a curveball, when things just don't add up or make sense, I think Jesus is looking at us and saying, how about you? Are are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? That's the question that we have to answer. Are we going to leave or will we choose to believe? And as a result, will we let that belief drive our behavior to where we're living differently, that, that we're not living for this, that we're choosing to live for something more. That's what Jesus promises you and me. We can look for the bread to feed ourselves for today, or we can look for the bread to feed ourselves forever. That's what Jesus Christ has to offer. So if I was going to extend a challenge or an encouragement or kind of sum all of this up in one thought that maybe you could carry with you, I I would put it this way. And this isn't just a cutesy little clever statement that I'm about to say, this is something that I've found to be true in my own life. And it's something that when life just stinks, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's not much fun, this is something that I try to remember and I try to put into place. This is the thing that I use to help me take one more step and one more step and one more step. And it's simply this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Following Jesus may not always be easy but it will always be worth it. Following Jesus may not always be easy, but it will always be worth it. It's not always gonna be a free ride. It's not always gonna be sunshine and rainbows. We're going to have to walk through some difficult stuff, but because we believe in Jesus, we know that the pain and the suffering that we are experiencing in this life is but a drop in the bucket compared to the glory that we will get to share in for eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's the hope that I'm holding on to. That's the hope that has carried me through these past 18 months. That's the hope that brings me up out of my grief and that mends my hurting heart is that we have so much more to live for than what we're experiencing right now. I'd love to invite you 
to take hold of that promise along with me. If you're here in person, if you're watching online, the first step to that is to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ by by choosing to believe that he is who the Bible says he is, that he's the son of God come to earth to die on the cross and be buried and rose again on the third day from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave in the process, and that he has ascended to heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and and he is waiting, chomping at the bit for God the Father to give him the go-ahead so that he can return back to this earth and take those of us who have put our faith, our hope, our trust in him to be with him in glory forever and ever and ever. That's what it means to live for something more. If you'd like to do that, I'd like to invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Can we pray this prayer together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. Today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.